because everybody has different asset allocations, as you mentioned, everybody has different vulnerabilities. And so everything, every plan has to be customized to a particular individual and their assets. And so that's what we do. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Ron Phillips here. Heather is not with us today, but I have an unbelievably awesome guest for you guys on a topic that we get a lot. So make sure that when we get done today, you share the episode. This is one that a lot of people are going to really need. Well, everybody needs, but everybody's going to want to hear it as well. So really appreciate you guys. I just learned from the guys who do our podcast show that our numbers are really, really taking off and it's because of all of you out there listening. So we really appreciate it. Not only are you listening, but you guys are also sharing and man, the comments we get are, they're just fantastic. So we really, really appreciate that. Both Heather and I do. Today though, I have a a fantastic guest. Bob Bloom is with us. Welcome, Bob. It's good to be with you, Ron. How are you? Really good. So let me give Bob a proper introduction. And then I think as we go through the show, you guys will get more of an introduction of of who Bob really is. Bob's an asset protection specialist and attorney of over three decades, right, Bob? That's right. A long time. And I had the opportunity to sit down and have dinner with Bob not very many weeks ago. And one of the things that I was struck with is that, Bob, you began your career in the legal world as a trial attorney and ended up here, which, you know, most trial attorneys, I think some of the stories you were sharing from your trial days were, were they were really good, really good stories. Maybe we'll get into a couple of those today, but trial attorney experience guys in any part of law is really, really important. I've worked with litigators in the past and they come at challenges in the legal realm from a whole different perspective. It's from the perspective of litigating actual lawsuits, right? So trying to prevent what happens in court because they've been in court, which is really, really important. Not to mention Bob's a national speaker and he's phenomenal on stage. And so we get to have him with us today. Bob, I am so excited to talk about asset protection. This is something we haven't talked about on the show and it's something that people really, really need. And they ask us tons of questions about it. So Welcome. What did I forget about illustrious past, Bob, that, you, that we should know? <laughs> well, n- nothing. I think that's that's fine. Let's move on to some great questions. Let's jump into asset protection. What Just kind of high level, what is it? Who should be concerned about it? Then, then we'll kind of jump into the how-tos. Well, certainly anybody owning real estate should be concerned about it because you're in business if you own real estate. If you're, uh, you, you may not consider yourself in business. You may think of it as an investment, but indeed you are renting to people of a particular state and that constitutes doing business in that state. So you have a business, you have business assets, and anybody in business faces the risk of litigation. So it's something that every real estate investor and business uh, real estate owner needs to be concerned about. Yeah. So it seems like to me that as, as soon as you start to acquire assets there, you also acquire this thing where people want to get your assets and it's not just the tenant, right? It's not, it could be any number of people, you know, the government, the, the, your tenants, anybody walking by your property, anybody visiting somebody on your property. I assume, Bob, there's also other ways that people can you know, drill into your assets from outside. If you do something, like if you get in a car wreck completely unassociated with your real estate, um, that could also impact your holdings, correct? 
Absolutely right. I mean, if you hold your assets in your personal name and you get into a car accident and there's a judgment against you personally, they can now take everything you own personally. And that is often why we want to segregate these assets, place them into entities that uh, put them out of the reach of creditors. So in other words, if you got into a car wreck, uh, you don't own the real estate, your LLC owns the real estate, and that gives you significant protection in the event that you're ever sued. Okay. So there's a bunch of people out there right now who go, well, wait a second. I own, you know, however many houses or, you know, whatever I own, I own a whole bunch of stuff in my personal name. And I thought I couldn't own, you know, if they have a mortgage, Bob, how do they get around? Like, because you can't, unless it's a commercial deal, you know, Fannie Mae, Fred, you know, Fannie Mae, they, they won't let you close in, in anything other than your personal name. So what do we do about that? Well, then we transfer the asset into, you're right, the asset, usually you have to close in your personal name, but then the bank often is the very one who says, well, then just transfer it into an LLC. And that is the case. We want to get it into an LLC out of your personal name so that you have liability protection. Okay. So walk us through, I think one of the things that I remember from your, I, I watched Bob speak and you know, one of the things I think people don't realize is the structure of the LLC and why that's important. Because at the beginning of my beginning of my career, I went and I got on legal Zoom and I owe business, and you know, wham, I was in business. Right. I learned many years later after I you know had some money that I I paid an attorney to fix. Actually, didn't fix it, just completely redo my LLC because it was all wrong. Because I had chosen things that were wrong. I didn't have anybody helping me understand even what any of this stuff was. Walk us through why it's really, really important to have, well, walk us through why it's important maybe to not use the do it your the DIY LLC. Right. It's, you know, using these online services is kind of like wanting to build a house and going to Home Depot and buying some bunch of lumber and some nails and starting to hammer away. You don't have a plan. In other words, you got to have a blueprint before you're going to build a house, and everybody knows that. But here we go. We're, we think we're going to construct a protective entity around us and around our assets, and we don't have a plan. So we go to this online service, and we, they start asking questions. Do you want to be the manager? Do you want to be have this member managed? Well, I don't know. I guess I'll pick any, meeny, miny, uh, that one. Okay. So testing <laughs> game. We have a clear plan of what we want the LLC to do, what we want the LLC to own, where it's going to be, in other words, what state it's in, how we're going to structure this, what, it's, uh, what, it, what we're, vulnerabilities we're trying to protect from. Unless we have that plan, going service really just is, is nothing more than a guessing game and the likelihood you're ever going to get it right is very, very low. Talk to us about what happens if we get it wrong. I mean, give, us, give us some examples huh. of, because, you know, I have an LLC and, you know, maybe I chose, you know, member managed and maybe I chose manager managed. What difference does it make? Like if I get those things wrong, what, why do I care? What, what difference does it make? Well, it makes a big, big difference because from a tax standpoint, you get, you choose the wrong one, member managed, manager managed, uh, you're going to pay a 15.3% higher. If you get it wrong in other aspects of the structure, uh, you're going to end up having an LLC that is basically a fake LLC. It's a worthless LLC. It's an LLC that as soon as you're challenged, the plaintiff's lawyer will rip up that LLC in court. He'll have the judge completely disregard the LLC. And then it's as if you didn't have an LLC at all. And they can still get at your personal assets, which will be 
those assets that were or you thought were in the LLC, but are now, because there is no real LLC, back in your personal name and fully seizable in a lawsuit. So tell me, give me a specific, like walk us through, like if I mess this piece up, how does it allow some litigator to tear my LLC to shreds when, I mean, I obviously have an LLC, Bob, I'm the member of the LLC and maybe I picked something wrong, but why, why should that mean he can tear apart my LLC and then come after my, my assets? Well, sure, exactly right. It's called piercing the corporate veil. And there are many, many factors that allow a court to pierce the veil. But basically, piercing the veil means that this protection that you thought you had with the LLC is going to be pierced. In other words, not protecting. It's as if, you know, the the enemy has breached the, the defensive wall, so to speak. And so now the have pierced the veil of the LLC for any number of many, many, many reasons. The LLC wasn't set up right. It wasn't taxed right. It wasn't operated correctly. It didn't have an EI. It didn't have a bank account. It didn't have the right structure. It didn't have protective length in the drafting of the LLC. It didn't have uh, distribution terms on a pro rata or basis. It didn't have mandatory or discretionary distribution drafted into the documents. Then what you've got is an LLC that you thought was going to protect you, but doesn't. And the court very, very often will disregard these LLCs that have been set up on a personal basis, often with not, no supporting documents, often with very inadequate supporting documents. By supporting documents, I mean operating agreements and minutes, resolutions, membership registries, capital contribution ledgers, uh, all kinds of documents which we draft when we draft an LLC, about a dozen different documents. Yeah, man, that, okay, so that sounds really complicated. And you know, I, I understand what you're talking about because I've been I've been through a whole bunch of this stuff, and and still I think I sent you over. I mean, I don't know how many. I mean, you 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 are you are in the process of looking over mine as well, and I think one of the things too, as far as structure goes, is once you start to get you know more than just a house over here and a house over here, but you've got some substantial assets to protect and not necessarily the strategy changes, but it has to be augmented just a little bit. And we have a lot of people who listen to this show who are business owners and have significant amounts of assets, millions of dollars in assets they need to protect. And it can get kind of complicated. Mine's complicated. And as actually when I started to have my assistant put pull it all together and send it over, I was like, oh my gosh, man, I have so many LLCs. I have I have I have things that I don't even know what to really do with. And that started to to concern me a little bit, right? Because I, I have family limited partnerships, I have trusts, I have I have all of these things, and I'm not sure exactly how they all play together. So walk us through like why do I need all of those things? Do I need all of those things? Do the people listening need all of those things, or do they just need a whole host of LLCs? How do we look at structuring something for someone who's a who is a little bit more affluent and has substantial amounts of assets to be able to to that need to be protected, Bob? What we really need, Ron, is an overall plan that makes sense for you in your particular business, particular time. So when I'm talking about a plan, I'm talking about a, a visual structure that you can look at and say, all right, that's my holding company. That's what it does. It owns these assets. Here's my other LLC over here. It does this. It own, It holds title to my properties in Florida, for instance. It protects me from liability if there's a slip and fall on the property, if there's a guest in the property who gets injured. So many stories about guests coming over. You know, there was a case, famous case, which 
Uh, there was a medical student, a really brilliant guy on his way to a great career. He had a, a party at his place and he, he was on the balcony, leaned against the balcony. The wood on the balcony had rotted. He fell three stories off the balcony, broke his neck, ended up as a paraplegic and his medical career at that minute was over. Just like that. Obviously, terrible accident. His parents sued the owner of the property. And that is a story that happens far, far too often. Different facts, same basic principles. Somebody is injured on the property. The owner of the property gets sued. So the point is, you really got to have a plan. Here's how it protects me. So we've got to have that very clear plan in mind for everybody. It's got to make sense. So as far as the plan goes, I, I think I recall one of the things that you mentioned that kind of caught my attention was I've, I've seen a lot of people who do asset protection, they have a plan and they put you in the plan. It, it seemed like to me that when I, you know, when we were talking, one of the things that struck me that was, I think, really, really important was that everyone's, because everyone's asset allocation is different because people's businesses are different, the structure has to be different. When would I want to use, you know, like I, I, when I talk to you, like when, when would I want to use a family limited partnership? When would I want to use a trust? When would I want to use an LLC? Why would I want to use different structures or um, different entities, I guess I should say, in place of an LLC? Because we've, we've been talking about LLCs, but why would I want to use these other entities? Are they important? Should I be using them? And what do they do? Well, on a very general level run, LLCs are generally used to protect business assets. Family limited partnerships are generally used to protect personal assets. They're also used in syndications and other types of business ventures and a number of investors. But also uh, trusts are used uh, generally to avoid probate. That's one type of trust. It's called a living trust. Other types of trusts, such as land trusts, are used to provide privacy and anonymity. They're used to transfer title. There are a number of uses. There are hundreds of types of trusts, of course. Each one has its own specific purpose. And so take these general principles and then arrange these entities in various ways to provide the kind of liability protection and goals that you're, that you're trying to achieve. Because everybody has different asset allocations, as you mentioned, everybody has different vulnerabilities. And so everything, every plan has to be customized to a particular individual and their assets. And so that's what we do. We listen carefully to who we're talking to, what their concerns are, what their age is, where they are in their portfolio acquisition, where they are in, in terms of concerns. You know, somebody uh, with a lot of assets now is concerned about their legacy, maybe. Someone not with assets, but is in the building their assets as quickly as possible. So everybody's different. Every plan is going to be different as a result. How does a person know that they need to start putting together some structure? Is there, I've heard a lot of people out there who've talked about, and I actually have talked about it too. I've talked to some of my clients and I've said, hey, listen, you know, good, a good insurance policy might be all you need. You know, you might need to talk to somebody and just see, but what point does it make financial sense to start putting together uh, more of a structure? Because, you know, LLCs cost money every, every year that you have, you have upkeep in those. They get complicated when you have a, a million of them, like I, like I do. Just you forget about some of them. You have um, you have to you have to pay an accountant to do taxes every year. I mean, at what point, at what level of assets should a person step over insurance and start actually doing some entity structure? Do you have any kind of a litmus test for when you should do that? 
Well, sure. And correct answer is right from the very beginning. If you're just beginning to purchase uh, properties, you won't be able for a corporation to sign the contract as the buyer. And why would you want it if you sign your name as the purchaser? You're a party to the contract. And if the other party to the contract thinks you didn't fulfill it, they have the right to personally for breach of contract. So even in the phase of acquiring a property, we want to be able to protect ourselves from potential litigation, liability, right from the very beginning. We ought to have at least an entity that we can use to acquire properties. You know, it's funny you should say that because I just talked to a buddy of mine a couple of weeks ago who is in that very situation right now. He's, I mean, he's not in litigation just yet, but I mean, the, the lawsuit's been threatened. I'm sure that it's, it's coming, right? I mean, he hasn't been served with papers yet. All over this contract that he was supposed to close on, a person has subsequently sold the property at less than they had it under contract for, and he's suing him for the difference. And <laughs> this whole planning thing is really, really, that's why it's so critical because, you know, if you're buying a property, there's some people out there who are professionals, right? Dentists, doctors, and they buy assets in the same name as their, uh, as their practice, right? So if I'm a dentist, you know, Ron's teeth, right? And I buy my building in the name of, of Ron's teeth. And then this happens, I get sued. Not only is there a challenge with, you know, with the corporate veil, as you were talking about earlier, but all of the assets inside of that business, which is my main source of revenue are also on the line. Are they not? Absolutely right, which is why we would want or medical practice would be in one professional entity where we want to have uh, possibly even the employees, but maybe not. Maybe there's another entity that has the employees. And why would that be? Because employees represent potential liability, wrongful uh, termination, discrimination of this sort or another. And they represent potential, you know, unemployment, et cetera. Uh, so uh, often employees have, can be in one entity that becomes an operating entity. The medical practice or professional practice itself is in another entity. Maybe the equipment, if we have valuable equipment, can be in another entity. And then if we're acquiring, that can be another entity. Why? Because every one of these represents its own specific type of liability. And if we have everything grouped into just one entity, one of those, the liabilities, which minimizes the overall risk. Yeah. And this is why we had my accountant, my CPA on many shows ago, S same exact principle, right? There are reasons why you have each particular entity from a tax perspective, as you were talking about earlier, Bob, is, you know, when you're talking about separating out machinery and, and things that are very valuable, that also have a depreciable life that's different than the rest of the business. There are reasons why you, you would separate those things out in addition to the liabilities that you were just talking about. And it makes it really important to get the structure right from the beginning because because not only do you have the the legal consequences but you have the tax consequences as well which can be brutal if you don't get them right and man i mean this whole thing it seems really really complex but again it's kind of like in in the real estate business right i mean you you can't beat a man at his own game is what I've, I've, I've been told for a long, long time, right? You can't beat a man at his own game. If you're, if you're the new guy and the other guy's been playing the game for a long time, you're going to lose. That is why professionals are really, really important. It's unfortunate, Bob, but I didn't realize that when I started in business. And I think a lot of business owners are that way. We're head down just trying to make things happen. And then we, we look up one day and you hope that you didn't look up when you're getting sued. Well, I think 
That's right. And, you know, it's important to focus on your portfolio, acquiring your properties. That's a very, very uh, meaningful part of the business. It's what drives the business. But the way I like to put it is it's both offense and defense. In other words, when you're acquiring properties, you're trying to make money, that's offense. You got to have a defense that is going to protect you as you're doing that. And so, you know, you think of playing for a while, then defense comes to the team. They're not the same players. Different offense, defense, that's why you have a team around you. You start out with, uh, with somebody like you helping people acquire properties. You start out with an attorney. You start out with an accountant, you know, helping you get your ducks in a row before you get started and having a plan for how this is going to go as we go forward. Okay, where am I going to be? What's it going to look like when I have five properties? What's it going to look like when I have 10 properties? What's it going to look like when I have 15 and 20 properties? And then beyond. So, uh, so you want to be able to have, once again, that plan, that team behind you. They're the professionals. They know what they're doing. You go out, spend your time acquiring the properties. Yeah, I think it's really important what you just said. I want to make sure we don't skip over. We're talking about asset protection, but guys, you got to understand that the members of the team are really, really critical. I mean, I've, I've talked about on the show, my SEC attorney, who is different than my litigation attorney, who's different than you know, the other attorneys in my life, right? I have four of them, including Bob. And it's the same thing with the CPAs, right? Well, a CPA is, is different than, you know, a fractional CFO. They, they do different things. You, you need both of them on your team because they both specialize in something entirely different. And then there's the quality of each one of those individuals on your team. When you start out, you maybe you can't afford the, the greatest players, right? When you've got a brand new team, maybe you can't afford Mahomes to be your quarterback. Maybe you just didn't get lucky in the draft. I don't know. But either way, right? Ultimately, you want the best people on your team. And if you can get them closer to the beginning of your team because you know other people, all the better, right? To be able to get the really A players on your team to be able to help you with both offense and defense. Uh, I think that was a really, really good analysis, solid analogy. Um, walk us through how this works, right? So, um, I mean, I could, I could walk people through kind of how it works how it worked with me, but walk, walk us through this. Some, somebody, somebody calls up, you know, Bob Bloom and says, Hey, I, I need a, I need a makeover. Like I, I'm, I don't know what I've got. <laughs> That's pretty, in the, because this is the get real show. That's exactly what I did. I heard Bob at a mastermind group that I belong to. And I said, man, I've, it's been several years since I've actually had anyone look at my stuff. I've just been what I just said, head down, plowing forward, scoring on offense and I have some defense structured, Bob, but I think the plan that I set out with has, I've outgrown the plan big time. And because of that, and there hasn't really been much of a plan since, I've outgrown this plan that I had. And now that means I don't have one. So when someone comes to you, whether they're new or they're a complete mess like mine was, how does it look? What does it look like from an attorney's perspective when you, when you get this, for lack of a better term, it's kind of like what, what I just did to Bob is kind of like, when you see in the movies that the, the guy takes their box of receipts over to the CPA, that's in essence what I just did. I, I, I had my assistant send over a box worth of digital files from all my LLCs and trusts and limited partnerships and all of this stuff. And I said, here, just can we sort this through? So where do people start, Bob? 
Well, we start with uh, a conversation. We start with an appointment in which we uh, talk with uh, people. We listen very carefully to their business, to their, uh, we want to understand their business, what they're doing, what their goals are, not just where they are right now, but where they've been, where they're going. We want to understand, you know, so for instance, somebody might say, I've got 20 properties and I'm done. Now, Now I just need to know what to do from here. Somebody might say, I have 20 properties and I'm just getting going. No, my goal is in the next five years, I want to acquire 20 properties a year. You know, somebody, somebody may, uh, the point is, it's important to understand that, to know the momentum they have, the, to understand, are we stopping? Are we starting? Are we, where are we investing? What states are we investing in? We want to understand what your overall tax picture is looking like. In other words, we want to minimize the number of tax returns you're going to have to file. There are ways we can create these LLCs where we don't have to file any tax return. There may be states in which we want to file because the uh, liability protection laws are much, much better than otherwise you might otherwise have. So we want to basically listen, understand, first of all, and then once we gather that critical information, then we can finally go forward and make a plan that will make sense for you and your particular business. When we run into somebody like you, Ron, who's been an experienced investor for a long, long time, has a number of entities, now we want to understand next, what do those entities do? What do they own? What purpose do are they supposed to perform? And then let's examine to see whether that still fits with the actual reality. And if not, then we'll update things and modify the plan. Nice. We've just run the gamut. We've got new investor person over here who's listening to this going, oh my gosh, this has got to be ridiculously expensive. And then you've got, you know, Ron with his complete, you know, mess over here and you got a, a box of files dumped on you and, and you got to sort through it. Obviously, there's a price difference, right, between the guy who's got a mess and, and a pretty bit, pretty sizable one at that and someone who's just starting out. So new investors shouldn't feel like this should cost an, a small fortune to get done, right? Oh, of course. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. In fact, it'll be so much less expensive to get it done right from the start than to have to go and fix it afterwards. You, you run into Bob, so many problems. Stop, from- dude. You're, making me, you're making me a little ill right now. This is, well, I, Bob just said, let me just translate that. Bob just said what Ron has done is going to cost a lot of money. And if you just do it right from the beginning, everybody, then you, you're, you're going to be way better off than Ron. That's that. Let me just going to translate it for you. Maybe. I know, I know, I know. You're, you're not. You're, you've done a great job in the past of uh, entity formation. The, the, the reality is this, though. Look, when we're five years old, our clothes fit. When we're eight years old, they don't fit yep. anymore. And we grow. Yep. Our, our portfolios grow. And so it's just a natural process of needing to update things over time. It's all it is. Guys, and, and you know, we've, we've, I've harped on this in the past when we're talking about taxes and your CPA and, you know, making sure that if you're running a business and you're forward looking that you're, you're not just using a CPA, but you're, you're also using a CFO and that you do that on an annual basis so that you don't have problems. Well, this is also something that, that you need to look at on a more frequent basis than obviously than I have. And then most people do because it's that critical, you know, having spent a couple of decades now building assets, the last thing that I want and that I want for my family is for some stupid mistake to eliminate two decades worth of work. And, and really three, when you think about the first decade was me preparing for the, for the career that I've spent two decades in now. 
nobody wants that. So if you guys are out there, you know, and you're thinking, should I really do this? I, I think it's important that we all look at it and look forward because two decades ago, if you'd asked me if I'd be here on a podcast talking to Bob Bloom and owning the amount of real estate that I own and several businesses, I would have told you you're crazy that that would happen in two decades. And yet here I am. And along the way, I have had some really good people who've helped me. And and Bob's right. I, I do have solid LLCs. My problem is just the structure of what what does this whole big thing look like, right? What, what I have all of these different pieces. Now let's try to fit it into something that actually makes sense. And so I encourage everybody out there to to start thinking about this now before before the lawsuit drops, before the tax bill hits, before any of the negative things happen that can happen and keep you from winning the game. So Bob, if people in the show want to get a hold of you, obviously that you you can email us guys, info at rpcinvest.com, info at rpcinvest.com, excuse me, invest at rpcinvest.com. Where's Heather? I don't know any of this stuff. I ask her every week. I should know by now. It's invest at rpcinvest.com and you can find the show at getrealestatesuccess.com. Bob, any way people can connect with you that can where they can actually learn a little bit more about what you do and how you do it. Obviously, you can email in and, and we'll we'll connect you guys. But where can they find you out there in the interweb? <laughs> we have a website, assetdefenseteam.com. Once again, assetdefenseteam.com. You're more than welcome to come to, to the website. Uh, you can reach us at info at assetdefenseteam.com. And if you'd like to make an appointment or... Uh, have uh, some questions answered. We're more than happy to do that. Awesome. Well, I know that this has been, It's. it was really good for me to hear you speak at the, it just reminded me of things that I kind of already knew and then I just needed to dial in one more time. I think it was really, really good for the audience because, you know, we really haven't talked about this and, you know, we're, we're in our second year now. Uh, we should have hit this a lot earlier and a lot of people out there need to make sure that they, they get this taken care of. Bob is a really, really good um, asset for you guys. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing so much of your knowledge and your three decades worth of, of experience with us. You're welcome, Ron. All right. Now, listen, everybody, That as we do every single week, this week, I'm going to say, get out there and make it happen, but get out there and make it happen. And what we're making happen this week is actually asset protection and getting our crap together so that we don't get, so we don't lose our assets. Let's play offense and defense. Till next time, guys, go make something happen. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to GetRealEstateSuccess.com.